0: Today, on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne, in Melbourne, Florida.
1: We're only men. We're not God. We're men. We fail. We're just like you. We like people to notice. We like to have nice things said about us. But that can never be our motive. See, when you leave this building, no matter who's up here or whatever church you're in, The thing you need to leave with is this, not how great the teaching was, or the music was, or the whatever, the scene was. When you leave this building, here's what you need to say. God's awesome. Because it's not man. It's God. Only person to do anything in your life is God.
0: Love your neighbor as yourself. When you hear that exhortation, who do you picture? Although our actual neighbors, our co-workers, strangers, are all our neighbors, our closest neighbors are our spouses, our children, and fellow believers. When you think about the expectations of Christian love, patience, humility, gentleness, are you truly loving your neighbor as yourself? You've probably already failed in one of those areas today, but the Lord, He is patient too. If you feel overwhelmed trying to meet the needs of your neighbors, your family, friends, others, it is the power of God's love that will help you to love them even more than yourself. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 38, for the conclusion of our message entitled, The Greatest Commandment in Action.
1: the kind of obedience that Jesus requires. Radical obedience. Remember the young man that came to him? Jesus said, go sell everything you have and come follow me. That's radical. You got it. Now Jesus comes to a second part. In the second part of this passage, here's what Jesus talks about. Doesn't talk about lordship in that way, but here's what he says. And it's good because we need to hear it. Here's how not to love your neighbor. Some of you say, well, I already know how to do that but you'll get some more ideas. Here we go. Let's take a look at it. Verse 38, back in Mark, chapter 12. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the elders and pastor at Calvary Chapel. That's true. We went through this passage of Scripture and we looked at our own lives instead of spiritual leaders of this body, are we the people we should be, and God just during this day and a half or whatever, it just was marvelous to watch him answer our prayers and you know it 's interesting how the enemy tempts you as you 're fasting and praying in the hotel, you know I went out to just walk and pray, and here comes the guy with the pizza hut delivery walking right by with the hot stuff on him man, oh man what 's the bummer out here? you know, but God really delivered and ministered to us by the way, we don 't have time this morning, but there 's a great contrast if you want a Bible study for this week for yourself, just write first Peter chapter five and you 'll see how Really, a servant of God should be. And we also, by the way, looked at that. So this tells us how we shouldn't be. So Jesus really says here, watch out for the teachers of the law, those Pharisees, the Sadducees, all those people. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. So Jesus says, your religious leaders... They're not at all what they should be. They're supposed to be leading people into truth, direction, being humble, guiding them. They're doing exactly the opposite. Now, before we see all of those ramifications, I want to refresh our memories this morning of what the word love is. I'm supposed to love God, and I'm supposed to love my neighbor. You see, these religious leaders were supposed to love the people in the congregation as themselves. Well, love is not this warm, touchy-feely, gushy kind of emotion thing. We said last week, love is a commitment. Let's just go through it again. Just think about your love for your neighbor and for God and friends as we go through this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. Love doesn't boast. Love isn't proud. It isn't rude. It isn't self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but... Rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, think about that kind of love with God and with your neighbor. How far did you get before you were busted? In the Most of us probably first thing, why? Patient, right? Remember the guy you were following this morning in the car? The idiot? But you were patient, <laughs> going to church. You say, "Well, I went to the second one. I'm better than you." Not really. You see, when you look at that list, it's overwhelming, isn't it? That's why it's the love of God. That's why it's the gopula. That's why God has to help us. You can't do that. I can't do. There's nobody because we're fully what? We're fully man, hundred percent. We're very little of. God, we're moving that way, but we're very little, so we really struggle. We're over here, and this is a real challenge to us when we look at that particular definition. So, I want to show you this morning this, that Christianity, our next overhead will say this, Christianity is God-centered, not man-focused. See, Jesus looked at these religious leaders, he's right in their face, and he says this, watch out for these so-called religious leaders. By their teachings and by their actions, they're supposed to be leading you to God. To focus your love on God. But Jesus says they're doing the opposite. They love themselves more than they love me. They love themselves more than they love you. Jesus just tells it like it is. He says these religious leaders like position, they like titles. They love to put on a show. They take their religious gowns. They'd walk through the communities. You know, they're only supposed to be using those only in the temple area, but they'd walk downtown. Like some of the times I used to remember some of the docs from the hospital would leave, you know, with their, with their, uh, surgeon's sweats on or whatever. And they're downtown like, man, respect me, whatever, all those kind of things. You can't do that because now they sell them and it could be an aide or it could be somebody, could janitor, doesn't matter. These guys were taunting it, man. Hey. I'm special. I'm better than you. And in banquets, they want the best seat. When they're in worship, they're right up there so everybody can look. There he is. Look at that guy. Wow. Holy man. And Jesus said, They're phony. He said, They're nothing at all what they're supposed to be like. They're supposed to be loving you. They were there and they were saying to the people, I'm highly educated. You're not. I'm spiritual. You're not. I'm special, and you're not. Look at verse 40. Jesus doesn't stop. He continues his scathing evaluation. They devour widows' houses, and for a show, make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. So Jesus says they're proud. They're phony. They're profit hungry They're headed for eternal punishment. They were breaking the greatest commandment. They had lost God's priorities. They were selfishly abusing the people by focusing on themselves. Do you know today we have the same kind of thing going on? In those days, see, the religious leaders in those areas didn't get a regular salary. So they would go out to the people and try to get offerings, which they would take for themselves. They would go to the poor widows. They would go to those people and say, you know, here, if you want to love God, you know, you want to treat God's servant well. And they would abuse them. They would take their homes, their thing, and actually just, just pad their pockets. By the way, do we, do we have anything like that happening today? Be careful when you watch TV. We have many poor widows and poor people in this country. Here's the way it goes today. It's a little different, but it's exactly the same thing. And they'll say this. We're having a telethon. And God's word needs to go to the whole world. Second part's true. You have needs in your life. Write them down. Bring them in. We'll pray for them. Oh, and by the way, when you send the prayer request in, give us your best offering because God loves good people. Now, is it hard to separate your prayer request for somebody with cancer or unsaved loved one from your offering after they've just said that? You betcha. You see, they're tying it together. It's indulgences. It's the old way the Catholic Church used to work. It's no different in the Protestant Church. It's no different than in the day of Jesus. Don't fall for that. God's blessing on your life doesn't include an offering with your prayer request. You're quiet. Don't be taken advantage of. You don't buy God's grace. It's free. You don't buy God's salvation. It's free. So man hasn't changed because man is fully man. Man. So Jesus says it's a bunch of baloney. Cut it out. And notice to overcome that, they give long, lengthy prayers. To make it look like they're super spiritual. I don't know how you pray, but be careful. Let me ask you four things. Am I spiritually proud? Do I promote myself, my knowledge of the Bible, my fasting, my prayer, my spiritual gifts? Ever see anybody do that? Yes. It's an abomination to God. Secondly, am I functioning publicly in the church to be noticed and honored? Number three, does my life bring glory to God? Or to myself. Number four. And this is where it gets down home. Because we ask those questions. I ask those questions to myself very often. The elders and ourselves are very hard in the pride area. We have to be. Because we're fully. You got it. Some of you are getting it. Some of you are a little slow. <laughs> Let's put our thinking cap back on again. You ready? Here we go. Let's put it back on again. We're only man. We're not God. We're men. We fail. We're just like you. We like people to notice. We like to have nice things said about us. But that can never be our motive. See, when you leave this building, no matter who's up here or whatever church you're in, the thing you need to leave with is this. Not how great the teaching was or the music was or the whatever the seating was. When you leave this building, here's what you need to say. God's awesome. Because it's not man. It's God. only person to do anything in your life is God. Not any man. Not any woman. So then Jesus asked this last question, and I'm going to give it to you this morning. It's this. Do I really love my neighbor as myself? Put the first commandment into action. The second part, actually love your neighbor. Agape love understands the needs of others and then responds to meet those needs. You see, it's not just words. It's responding. I'm to love my neighbor as Jesus Christ loved me. I'm to love them as I love myself. I'm not to be taking advantage of people. I'm to be loving them. I'm not trying to get their money to meet a need in their life. I'm trying to meet their need, forgetting all of the rest of that. I'm trying to love them. Now, who is my neighbor? Let me remind you of a couple things this morning. If you're married today, your neighbor, your closest neighbor is your spouse. Then your children. Then, if you're a Christian, other Christians. And then the world. So my closest neighbor is my spouse, my children, other Christians, and then the world. Well, let's just think about it for a moment. I can't minister when my spouse or my children or other Christians have a need. I can't meet every single need of all of those people. Only the ones God helps me meet and brings it to me. I can only meet those needs that God gives me the strength and directs me to. So don't ever be felt guilty that you can't meet all the needs of the world. You can only meet those needs that God brings you to. But let's think about this. Let me give you the list again. And you think about your spouse and your children and Christian friends and your love for them. Your love for them as a Christian in action. Love is patient with your spouse now and your children. Love is kind. Does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. I thought you forgave me of that. Well, I did, but I wanted to bring it up again. It was a good time. Love? Love? Aren't you glad God doesn't go, well, let's remember back four weeks ago. He loves and He forgets. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. You see, in so many of our homes, there is no hope. And the Bible says this, hope deferred makes you sick. You should have hope this morning. And your hope can't be in you. It has to be in God. That's the love that we need. Love never fails. So when you look at that, how far did you get on the list there with your spouse and your children and other Christians? You may be here this morning and have something against another Christian. You need to go to them and ask forgiveness. Maybe it's been your spouse. Maybe you blew it. Maybe it's been your teenager, your child. Teenager, maybe it's been you. You need to go to your parents and ask forgiveness. Get it right. Let your life line up with God. You say, well, why would you mention that this morning? I don't like that. That's because Jesus is Lord, and He knows better what you need than I do, and that's why I mentioned it. Now, the greatest expression of love for my neighbor, the greatest expression of love for my neighbor is to bring them to Jesus. You believe that? You see, your neighbor this morning might be your husband, your wife, child, grandchildren, dad, mom, whatever, neighbor. Jesus Christ, if I'm going to have the, the agape love that God has, that Jesus has, I'm going to be like Jesus. And Jesus' whole purpose for coming into this world was to seek and save that which was lost. I made a walk outside, and my walk, I didn't was in the neighborhood, so I just walked around the courtyard numbers of times on the outside of the hotel right down the street. And the second time around, I came across a middle-aged lady and... Probably maybe mid-30s, maybe a little earlier than that, and, and a good-looking man. And I watched them. They were embracing. You know, I'd been in business a long time before. I was a pastor, and i been on lots of trips. And I could see that the embrace was not the embrace of a husband and wife. So I watched them as they separated my next time around. Her car went off this way, and his car went off that way. And his license plates were from way out of town. You see, there was an affair going on that had gone on all night. I don't know whose kids are left, or what's happened, or whatever. But normally when I saw that, I wasn't impacted like I was yesterday. Came into the guys, and when we had prayer, I said, you know what, I can't get the couple off my heart. They need Jesus Christ. They don't need to be condemned. They need, they're looking for love in all the wrong places. They need Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you're looking in those places, don't go there. Jesus Christ is the only place you're going to find love. And I just prayed for them that somehow somebody would come into their path and say, God's great. God's love. You see, people are empty and lonely and guilty and afraid of death, and they don't know what the answer to life is. And here we sit, selfish, selfish enjoying God's presence, churches filled, good things happening, kids are going great, and the world next to us is going to hell, but we're fine with it. We're not loving our neighbor as God defines love. Turn to John chapter 1. The greatest need this morning of a sinner is to know the forgiveness of God. We're going to do this very quickly, but I want you to get it. John chapter 1, verse 40. Andrew came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He was just introduced to Jesus. We see that in verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So Simon, Peter's brother, Andrew, came to know Jesus Christ. He came and he was introduced and he he found out that the answer to life, all the things he was searching for was in the Messiah. You see, the Jews had been looking for the Messiah for thousands of years. And he found him. And look at the very first thing he does. In verse 41, the first thing Andrew did after he came to Jesus Christ was to find his brother, his closest neighbor, Simon, and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. You see, new converts make great soul winners. I love it when all the people come and accept Jesus Christ. I'd like to bottle whatever they have for the next few weeks and give you a pill every week. (laughs) They don't have much wisdom, but man, do they have a love for the lost. And notice something very important. The words that changed Simon's life were five in number. We have found the Messiah. Andrew didn't know any more. He didn't know the spiritual laws. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't understand anything else. He just said this, I found the answer to life, and it's Jesus Christ. It's the Messiah. Many of our friends and relatives are waiting for that simple Declaration. It comes from one already saved. It has to come from your heart. It's not the spirit for spiritual laws. Would you accept Christ? Nothing from your heart, nothing of the spirit. It has to come from your spirit. Do you really love the lost? Andrew, the very first thing he did, he said, I found the answer to life. I'm going back to my brother. Because I love my brother. This morning, the greatest thing our neighbors, our relatives, our spouses, our kids need to know is that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. Look at verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Notice, he didn't bring him to Calvary Chapel, to a denomination, to a fellowship. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus is the one who is fully man and fully God. Now, I want you to see a couple things. When Peter came, his name was Simon. When Peter came, he came to Jesus. And here's what Jesus said. Simon, by the way, how did he know his name? Was that the man part of God or the God part of God? That was the God part. So he said, Simon. He says, I know who you are. I know your personality. I'm going to change your name because you're unstable. You're unstable. You can't be counted on. You fly off the handle. There's no stability. And I'm going to change your name. How did he know who he was in his personality? Was that the man part or the God part? It's part. He said, I'm going to make you, Peter, a rock. I'm going to change your personality from unstable and wishy-washy and self-conceited and think you're important, cut off ears, do all this. I'm going to change you to the rock. In fact, I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you as the foundation, your profession that Jesus Christ is going to use that as a foundation for the church of Jesus Christ. And in fact, you're going to preach the very first. He didn't tell him all this, but he knew it. inside. I'm going to, you're going to preach the very first service, and the early church is going to be formed off of your change in your life. Now, how did God know that part of him? It's the God part. It says this, he looked at Peter, Peter had to go, huh? And he said this, Peter, you're not going to be the same man after you meet me. I know the potential in your life. And there's many of you this morning here, there needs to be a before and an after. He knows who you are right now. You're proclaiming to be somebody you're not, and Peter fought it for three years. He, I'm proud. And I'll never give in to you. I'll stand with you. He was wrong, because Peter was too much what? Man. There's many of you here this morning. You need to change from who you are to who Jesus wants to make you. And that's why I bring the second and the last question. And here it is. Look at it, and we're through for this morning. When you see this, you remember the first question is, what do you think about Jesus Christ? Who is he? He's fully man, fully God, God's only son, the only way to God. And here's the second question. Is Jesus, God's only son, your first of all Savior and your Lord? If he isn't, you have no assurance of forgiveness of sins. You're not going to heaven. You're going to be separated from God forever. See, God knows your potential. I don't. And as people come this morning to accept him, I won't know their name. I'll have to ask, why? Because I'm man. But you know the song, one of the worship songs we sing? This is God knows your name. He knows your name this morning.
0: As we concluded today's message from Mark chapter 12, the focus was on love. In serving Jesus as our Lord, we have to give love. If we're living for ourselves, there is spiritual pride. As Pastor Mark pointed out, if a person is serving publicly in order to be noticed, it's man-focused. Loving your neighbor as yourself means you want to bring them to Jesus, to anticipate their needs, and then rise to meet them through the power of God. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at lessonsforlivingradio.com. That's info at lessonsforlivingradio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at lessonsforlivingradio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark tackles the subject of eternity within the context of the Gospel of Mark chapter 13. We will all spend eternity somewhere, and that's dependent on what you believe and do with Jesus. You'll see how all God's predictions and promises are true, those that have been proven true and those yet to come. Pastor Mark will warn us about the difficult times we'll face as believers. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you, and together, let's do life. Right.